Hello ladies and gentlemen, I'm Judith Fallon-Reed and welcome to Shelf Life TV, where I have great conversations with Caribbean authors about their lives and books. If you have yet subscribed to this podcast, please do so. You'll always know when new episodes are available. The video of this episode is available also on my YouTube channel. Please subscribe to my YouTube channel and check out my website at jfallonreed.com. Also, check out my other podcast on your favorite podcast platform. Now it's time to share what's on my shelf. Hello ladies and gentlemen, I'm Judith Fallon-Reed and welcome to Shelf Life TV, where I have great conversations with Caribbean authors about their lives and books. If you have yet subscribed to this podcast, please do so. You'll always know when new episodes are available. The video of this episode is available also on my YouTube channel. Please subscribe to my YouTube channel and check out my website at jfallonreed.com. Also, check out my other podcast on your favorite podcast platform. Now it's time to share what's on my shelf. Today on Shelf Life, we're going to learn how water walk go pumpkin belly. We're going to learn about Brother Nancy and Brother Takuma and all with Dr. Don Lemonius, the writer of Me Have Sinting to Tell You, our story, the Jamaican story. Don is a maths teacher and social studies teacher and West Indian history teacher by profession in her earlier years. Now she's an author, she's a trainer of culture and has been for many, many years with TPDCO for the Jamaica Tourist Board. And she does a lot of consulting in the area of tourism. Today, she's a consultant, a human resources consultant, training and development consultant, both locally and internationally. She is an approved training partner in the Team Jamaica program for the tourism product development company. And so she's perfectly suited to tell us about our culture. Ladies and gentlemen, Dr. Don Lemonius. Dawn, it is so good to have you on Shelf Life today. And your book, wow. You know, that book, teach me some stuff. And I used to teach culture for TPD. We have Sinting to tell you our story, the Jamaican story. Welcome to Shelf Life. Thank you so much. It's such a pleasure being with you this morning. Yes, it is. It really, really is. Now, before we even get into the book, let's talk about you, Dawn. Your passion for culture, your passion that has led you to write this book. And what I found interesting about the book is that unlike a lot of the others where it just touched the surface, you really, really go deep down. It's like a, a real study of our culture in a very fun way. What, what yes. brought you to this place to get to write in this book? You know, Judy, I, I love history a lot. And uh, my passion for history really developed in high school where I had an excellent history teacher. And um, for me at that time, history was more than just a text, it's a story. And it is not surprising that when I left high school, I went to teacher's college and I specialized in social studies. And uh, having left college, I went into, I specialized in math as well, funny enough. The combination of both. But I, so I that's an interesting combination. Exactly. I lean more towards social studies. Um, and then I taught I taught secondary school social studies and, and high school history. Um, a couple of years in teaching, and then I delved into um, the corporate world, went to Dust Business College and went to Tourist Board to work. 
Now, one of the things about working at the Tourist Board at the time in the training department is that we had a program called the Tourism Awareness Program. So I, I really got um, a little bit more into not the text history, but other parts of history that, you know, we needed to know. And I left the Tourist Board and, of course, the training department also departed from the Jamaica Tourist Board. And I went full circle, I went into the corporate world, into the private sector, came full circle back with TP Deco, with the Team Jamaica program, which is something similar. I love that program. I also taught Team Jamaica. Exactly. <laughs> so we we have a lot that of places where we crossed, yes. Exactly, exactly. So I, I, I taught um, cultures going back to 1997 when the program started. And uh, it, it gave me a perfect opportunity mm -hmm. to share a little at the time that I knew about our culture. Because as we grow up, you know, we tend not to pay attention to our culture. We take a lot of things for granted. Yes, we do. I, I, I grew up in the arts, which is what I still am in. So festival yes. for me was a huge, huge deal. You know, I was in dance festival, drama, you name it. I was in festival. And so, yes, culture is something that I realize that a lot of us just, we, we only see it at festival time. And exactly. time, and we forget about it for the rest of the year. Perfect, that's true. And, and the thing about it is also that when you grow, because of the, the thrust to speak standard English, you know, um, we certainly, it is not encouraged or tolerated to speak in the dialect, for example, or, or things that you see people do, you say, oh, that's them, you know? But the more I taught culture, the more I shared culture across Jamaica, mm -hmm. many different places, the more I appreciated our culture. Yes, you really, really learn to love it when you have to teach it. <laughs> exactly, I, because one of the things that happens with that is that you don't only impart what you know, but you learn as well from your participants. It's amazing the amount that you learn. I remember teaching up in um, Mavis Bank one time doing a culture class up there. And as much as I taught them was as much as they taught me. Um, it, it is amazing. And, and so moving around Jamaica and, and sharing and learning, then I had a lot of things going on in my mind. And over the, you know, so I, I this is what brought me into here. I, I also, when I left the Jamaica Tourist Board, I went into HR. So for years, I have been an HR manager, HR consultant, training officer at TPDECO because having gone to TPDECO as an external trainer in the Team Jamaica program, I joined the staff there later on. Mm -hmm. And I'm still, I'm not full-time there now, but I'm still associated with them because I'm an approved training partner. Right, so you're still doing training for TPDECO. Yes, I'm still doing the training, still sharing. Still sharing. Yes. Well, let me just stop you right there for one quick second, because I have embraced Patwa as my first language. I, I don't care how nobody wants to tell me that it is not a language, it don't have structure. I, I hear I've heard it all, but I have embraced it as my first language. Now, like you, I grew up in that era where you weren't encouraged to speak Patwa and make matters worse. I grew up in Mandible before I was 10 years old. And in yes. Mandible, we had a lot of expatriates. So talking Patwa yes. was not, not the done thing. No. And for me, it is a pleasure to speak in my own tongue. How do you feel about Patwa now at this stage of life, having lived the same kind of life I lived? 
and having grown up the same way. How do you feel about it now? I feel so comfortable with it. Because when the time comes for me to speak English, I do. Mm -hmm. And one of the things about my communication, especially when I'm training, and participants will always tell you, I always find a way to drop a proverb in, no matter <laughs> what I'm training in. That's so, true. whether it be Pato or, or, or a proverb, I always find a way to utilize that part of the culture. Like, I, I did not grow up in, um, in Mandeville, I grew up in Ulster Spring in Trelawney. But my mom was a teacher. Ooh. So, yes. So, yeah. it was very, it certainly was not tolerated to, to be speaking anything else but the English language. So when I left home and, and I, you know, moved around, then I, I got more comfortable with the pattern. And um, here we go, you know. Did Miss so Lou influence you? Because she certainly influenced me to embrace and love it. I used to do a lot of Miss Lou poems. Did she influence you? Yes, she did influence me. Um, and Oliver Samuels as well, because yeah. I realized yes. how quickly they, 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 they speak the standard English how quickly they get into the dialect and they get back out of it. It's amazing. Yes, yes, and it's fun. They have inspired me to be like, you know, to, to try my best. <laughs> That's good. So let's talk about the book now because I'm going to ask you to read one of the Andancy stories you have in the book. The book is a mix of proverbs and um, sayings and history and puzzles and a Nancy story and just a little bit of everything. But I'm amazed at the depth to which you have taken the reader. Because, you know, you read a lot of these speak patwa, chat patwa books or Jamaican history books, which are meant for tourists, really. They have a few little phrases, wagwan and, you know, no problem, mon. I know I don't say mon, I say man, but yeah. for some reason, they <laughs> keep writing mon. Um, but the, the depth to which you have taken this book. Who is your audience? Because a lot of those books are written for tourists. Yes. I, I, if tourists read it, it's fine for me. But I wrote it for my own people. And I tell you why I wrote it for Jamaicans. Over the 23 years that I've been delivering this culture, I have found that there are so many of us who know so little about ourselves why we say what we say or why we do what we do or how the language and the, the pattern is structured. And it is a, it, the trainer in me and the teacher in me, um, I think it came out in the book that I, I'm trying to educate while entertain because that's my style of training as well. Entertainment. Yes, entertainment. I, I, I love to have fun in training. Games and laughter and dancing and singing yes. and all that kind of thing. And, and so I wrote it for my own Jamaican people to rekindle the love for our culture, to open our eyes to what we have. People are paying thousands of dollars for persons to imitate the Jamaican accent. Isn't that something? We have a patois and we're behaving as if we are ashamed of it. I know it's it's so amazing to me the amount of money and what what galls me about that though is that there are so many Jamaican actors but I do understand that if you're not SAG if you're not a SAG actor you won't be able to get some of those roles and so exactly. you know that's why sometimes they use actors that are not Jamaican to portray these Jamaican roles but our Jamaican actors are really getting in there now and making them exactly. and I love yes. that I absolutely love that because everything you watch 
I watch a lot of Australian <laughs> Australian programs and programs from New Zealand and other parts of even my, even my Swedish program. And everywhere you turn, they have reggae mm -hmm. music and they're 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 I won't say appropriating. I don't like that term because I feel that cultures are out there and if we love yes. it, we would be able to at least represent it somehow. But yes, I find that our culture is everywhere and yes. we really need to love it. What has the response to the book been like? Very good. And you know what? Um, because the book is available on Amazon, I find that the people in the diaspora are buying it a lot more. But the feedback has been great. And I tell you what, <clears throat> Jamaicans who have lived here for a while or those who are growing up, the American children, Right? Um, the American-born children, the Canadian-born children, wherever they are born outside of Jamaica, I find that the parents value this book a lot because it helps them know to connect. Yeah. Um, a friend of mine sent me some voice notes with her daughters who have spent so many years of their early childhood. They left here very young and then grew up overseas and they are trying to read one of their Nancy stories. It was hilarious. <laughs> that's always fun. That's all. I have nieces and nephews who are Americans who only been to Jamaica, I think maybe once, who identify themselves as Jamaicans. Um, exactly. like, yeah, my nephew was like over the moon when he was a teenager and started driving, and I bought him one of those Jamaican the thing, the tassel thing that hung from yes, the, car. the car. Yeah, exactly. that's what I'm calling but, so, so this book is really written for Jamaicans wherever in the world they are, wherever no. in the world, because our culture is so diverse that words and phrases and proverbs you hear one part of Jamaica, you don't hear it on the yes. other part of Jamaica. So even yes. those persons that live here, and over the years, you know what? Conversation. When I started writing the book, I would have frequent conversations with my auntie who is in Atlanta, my sister in, in Florida, and other members of my family here, my daughter. And, and a lot of proverbs would come. My daughter works in the health system here. She's a medical doctor here in, in Jamaica. And there are times that she would come to me and tell me some things that a patient might have said, an expression that a patient might have expressed before she's hearing it. So a combination of these conversations um, that is what gave me, you know, all of this. It, it's pretty much my experience. That's I did not go about doing a research. I did not go about asking people to give me proverbs. Right. It's pretty much that inner circle. It just came to you. Yes, it's something that we do every day in our conversations. I, I tell you that it's interesting how the Jamaican patois is different from place to place. Many, many years ago in another lifetime. I used to work with the Hatfield Cultural Group. And when I first started working with them, I was the PR and MC, PR person and MC. Yes. There, were, they would, there was a bunch of, of them who would sit in the back of the bus, like when we're going to a, a performance. And half the time, I had no idea what they were saying. Exactly. Because they come from West Milan, and they have some words that we never use in a mandible. We're not using a mobi. We don't use in Kingston. And I couldn't figure out what they were saying. And one of those words I'll never forget was poop out. Okay. That's like, it, it, after the conversation went on for quite some time, I realized the word meant hand me downs. Oh, so no, it's, no, I know it another way. What do you know it as? Yeah. What's that? 
Pupina. I know Pupina too. No, I know Pupina too. <laughs> I know Pupina too. So it's very, very interesting. You have your book with you, right? I want to ask yes, you to read me an Anansi story because the Anansi story you're going to read today is one I haven't heard before. Okay. I'm going to invite my audience to enjoy this little Anansi story. This Anansi story explains why I was only have one teeth. Once upon a time, Brother Anansi promised Brother Ross to make him bite him head. Well, a long time Brother Anansi did give Brother Ross the promise. So Brother Ross thinks say it's high time if I bite him. One day, Brother Anansi go to the post office and see Brother Ross. Brother Ross promptly remind Brother Anansi about the promise in the game. So Brother Anansi said, All right, Brother Ross. Now give you a bite in my head, so you can't come me out later. You hear? Brother was glad to hear that man and tell Brother Anand to say, he might come in my yard later. So later in the day, Brother Anand said, see him come in my yard. He come in my yard later. So later in the day, Brother Anand said, what Brother was sorry, what Brother Anand said, man, knock on the door. Brother, Brother Nancy hear him knocking, but he pretends them not here. Brother was knock again and call out, Brother Nancy, and me, Brother was, me come to get the bite off of your head. Brother Nancy still no answer. Brother was knock again, louder, and call out, Brother Nancy, and me, Brother was. Me come to get the bite off of your head where you promised me. Brother Nancy answer now and say, All right, Brother Ross. Me have to open the door so you can come in and come get your bite. Brother Nancy take time to open the door. But Brother Ross never knows how the door open. Here, Brother Nancy shout out to Brother Ross. Brother Ross, you can come, you know. The door up now. By that time, Brother Nancy go lie down in her bed and put one Dutch part over his head. Then he covered the Dutch part with one sheet. When Brother was come over the bed with Brother Nancy, you know, here Brother Nancy, we need a pitiful sign, so, so weak. Hear him to Brother Was. Brother Was. Me head a hot me from morning. So take time with me head. You hear, take time with it. Brother was saying, all right, Brother Nancy. We take me time. Brother was get ready. He engine up, he wing them, man, and he flopped him, wing them. And he go after Brother Nancy and he swam down and he go to so brother was surprised, the whole line teeth them pop right out. He never know said, brother Nancy, they can want Dutch part over head. So the first thing put on pan now with brother Nancy head broke out the whole line teeth. I only left one. From that day till today, was having one teeth. Jack Mandora, me not choose none. Me not choose none. <laughs> That realistically, I was does not have teeth. <laughs> it is said that he was, has one sting in his lifetime. 
So the reference is made to the thing. <laughs> I love it. Love it, love it, love it. And of course, inside the book, you have more Nancy stories and you have proverbs. And of course, we have the proverb where we all know chicken merry heart the near. You know, I used to think that was such a wicked thing to have to say to children. I mean, you're out there having a good time and your parents are going to tell you, must be weird because something bad is coming. I just thought it was a cruel thing to say. Mm -hmm. Exactly, because they may be calling you to come inside and they're taking too long. <laughs> so if you don't come in, then you're going to feel something, you know? So they can learn you know, danger coming and you don't know. My favorite, well, some two of my favorite proverbs. One is one that I always used to say to my kids. If you're not the wife, I'm tell you if you do, you're going to find out today how water was pumpkin belly. Pumpkin belly, yes, <laughs> yes, yes. And I yes. found out much later in life how water was pumpkin belly was through the vine. Through the vine. And then my eldest sister always, always used to beat me over the head with this one. You must take sleep mark that because yes. I would want to wear her clothes. I would want to wear her nice shoes. And she would insist that I cannot wear it because we're a good little distance and difference in age. And her things would have been way too mature for me. But she always used to warn me, you must take sleep mark death. But you have, you have one here that I need to, I need to ask you about. Yes. Good fowl I go and mark it. Sense a fowl, take up him half a basket and say him I go to. Yes, yes. What does that mean? You know, you have some persons who don't have the means to keep up with the Joneses. Ah. So they, are, they, they have persons around them who are in a better position than they are. So they may be, those persons may be going after a certain kind of car or a certain kind of outfit or certain neighborhoods, certain, you know, just things that other persons can afford, but they will have a challenge affording. Ah. In order to keep up with the Joneses, they go after it. So we say that good fowl are going to market, sense a fowl, take up in half a basket, and say my bottle. The thing about it is that sense a fowl is an inferior fowl. Yes, yes, the picky picky head fowl. Picky head fowl. I hear what you say, picky picky, because in the dialect we repeat like that, picky picky. Yes, good, 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 bad, 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 bad. Exactly. And half a basket signifies that. They don't really have what to put in a full basket. Yes, they don't have enough. So they're yes. So good fall I go market, center fall, take up in half a basket, same about it. <laughs> I like that one. You know, I don't think I've ever heard that one before. That was one of the ones that I read and I was like, ah, oh, I really don't know that one. Of course, if fish come from river bottom and tell it's a shark, they don't they believe in. I yes. know that one very, very well. I use it a yes. lot right here in America. Yes. <laughs> in reference to our politics. Exactly. <laughs> further, I will stop right there with that one. Uh, Donna, yeah. this, is, this is definitely a book well worth reading. It is fun. I'm having a good time with it. Um, you know, just want to talk a little bit more about some of the other things that you have inside the book. So you have yeah. some puzzles. You know, you yes. have like a crossword puzzle and um, word search and all. What kind of age level are we looking at here? Again, um, if you notice the way the book is structured and the shape and the print in the book, um, it is for everybody. It is um, once a child starts doing um, social studies in school. So it's from that age all the way up. So you're talking about maybe grade four, all the way up, you know, in our school system, or grade four. 
Because okay. it, 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 it has the information which I would have learned in social studies or in history. Well, it would be nice to actually get this book into our school system. I know the challenges of getting books into the school system. I, yes. I have a lot of friends who are authors and who write books that should be in the school system. But it is definitely something you should pursue, is getting this book into the school system. If you had one thing that you would like to say to Jamaicans across the world about our culture, what is that one thing? I, I would like to say to all of us, that we must take pride in the culture and in who we are. And one of the main reasons why I took time out to create a book like this is because I was not aware of a book that is like a one-stop book with so many different stuff in there. Persons have written books that are just straight proverbs. Persons have written books that are just straight Anansi stories. This is a book worth keeping at home. This is something that, um, you know, we, we need to have to understand our dialect more. We speak as Jamaicans a particular way and we're not even aware that is how we speak. I go me, I go sit down. I stand up, I go stand up over this song. I, I drive me, I go drive. You know, without even realizing that that is how we speak. I really want us all to take more pride in our culture, to appreciate it more. Not to feel inferior. I have been on a tour bus already and heard persons say things which is demeaning to us as a Jamaican people. Yeah. I want to recall nothing about our culture we should be ashamed of. Because every single nationality on the face of this earth have their own cultures. They have their own belief systems. You know, I, I, I listen to other persons from other islands, for example, speak in their dialect. It is not as dramatic as ours. And we can understand them when they speak. They really don't understand us if we don't explain because the dialect has so much to it. Yes, you know? it does. As you talk about the way we speak, there's a good old joke that I'll never forget where these guys were playing dominoes and one guy, his friend was waiting on him. Friend, friend come on him said, man, what, me not ready? Guy look up him say, I'm ready, I'm ready, I'm ready. He said, no, exactly. man, I'm the cops to come see if you're ready. Exactly. <laughs> Wait, what? I got you gone? Yes, I love that. I got, no man, I'm not gone, me gone. <laughs> but I love it. I love the way we speak. I love our culture. I'm a huge culture buff and I can't imagine being anything but a Jamaican. I really exactly. can't. No matter where I live and I've lived in many places, no matter where I travel to and I've traveled to many places, I can't imagine being anything but a Jamaican. Dawn, thank you so much for being with me on Shelf Life today, for sharing. We look forward to much, much more. And we know that our culture is better for having ambassadors like you. Thank you so much. Thank you so very much. It was certainly my pleasure. And remember, all the time, may I, may I have more, enough more things to tell you. <laughs> all right. Thank you very, very much. Thank you so much. Stay safe. Thank you. Bye-bye. Well, I hope you learned something new on Shelf Life today. I hope you at least heard one new proverb or at least the Anansi story was new to you as it was to me. Remember, like the page and share it with as many friends as you can. And of course, I have more for you next week, same place, same time, right here with another Caribbean author on Shelf Life. What good. If you haven't yet subscribed to this podcast, please do so. The video of this interview is available on my YouTube channel. Please subscribe to my YouTube channel. 
visit my website at jfallonreed.com and you can download your copy of my free audiobook, Time and Seasons. And remember to subscribe to my other podcast, Exchanging Pain for Praise.